0: All right, Jake, come over here. So who in here listens to podcasts? If you haven't seen or heard it, this man right here hosts a podcast called Under Pressure. As you can guess, it's about the pressure washing industry. It's about building a business in that. He's also done a successful podcast in another home service industry and brought that over here. Awesome interviews. And I'm also excited to announce that TKIM is partnering with Pear on the Under Pressure podcast moving forward. So you'll have to endure a little bit of me with hopefully still a lot of Jake on that podcast. So check that out so on Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube, all of them, all of it. Check it out. Subscribe to the podcast. We'll have a lot of these state familiar faces on there having conversations yes, about building your business. So I'm going to turn this over to Jake and uh, we'll get started.
1: All right. Welcome, everyone. So we're going to end it off with uh, some questions from the audience here. But just to start off, and I want to really hear from everyone here, a bunch of different backgrounds and what i did was i pulled a lot of the questions from our podcast that were the most popular episodes or the questions we get the most whether it's through social media or through the audience asking questions to ask these guys experts like this who've come on the podcast most of them have been on the podcast or are planning to come on the podcast if i haven't asked you yet talk to me after we'll get you on but um the question i want to start off with which i think is one of the most important questions we have and the biggest question we've gotten the biggest podcast we've done was starting a pressure washing company from square one so starting from square one what are the most important aspects to focus on so you can build the right foundation to grow and
0: anybody can take a question everybody doesn't have to take
2: it
3: it was too long ago i can't remember that. <laughs> so that, in my experience uh, and in my opinion I'm gonna give you the exact answer you don't wanna hear. Um, I think if I were to start from scratch, I'll give you an example. So if you take billionaires or multimillionaires who lose it all, how long does it take them to get back to where they're? Fast. They're usually fast, 12 months. You know, I think Grant Cardone, they dropped him off in New Mexico with like a hundred bucks and in 90 days he got a $5 million business and he couldn't use his name. So the, the idea of that I think is as you grow in business you get more experience and you realize the things that slowed you down um, where things like core values, uh, procedures, SOPs, things of that nature. And that sounds, you know, really uh, tough to figure out how to do it. And so I went to a mentor of mine in California and he had a $40 million company. And I thought, I'm going to learn all these SOPs and all these procedures and all this. I wonder what software he's using. I get there and he's using Google Documents, Google Calendar, and everything's just wrote out, just normal, just a regular process. And so what I learned was that. Um, as far as processes go, just whatever you're doing, like you wake up in the morning, you put the toothpaste on the toothbrush, you brush your teeth, you spit, you rinse your mouth out. It's as simple as that. Whatever it is, the job that you're doing, write the steps down and that may not be the best SLP or procedure, but you have one. And now that problem's taken care of. And I think probably the most important thing for us has been core values. And I always thought they were dumb and they, they didn't. Why in the world do we have core values? This is just a marketing thing. But what I learned was as you try to grow employees and I'll raise your hand if you've got a knucklehead or have ever had, or may eventually hire a knucklehead in your company, we, we've all had people. And, and how, many, how many times also have you seen somebody in your company that maybe is a knucklehead, but you said, man, this guy's got so much potential. This lady has so much potential. If I were that person, I would do so much better. And I had that problem over and over. And any time a behavior would come up in my company that I didn't like or that I didn't want, if you say something, a lot of people would think I was attacking them personally. Hey, when you backed the truck into the lake, um, I'm not too happy about that. And they'll they'll get their feelings hurt. And so what core values allows you to do, it's your standards that you live by. It's your personal values or the values you want represented in your company. And so for example, if you have one that is uh, take initiative Uh, You roll into work and your people are on the cell phone or they're Facebooking or they're not doing something, you can say, hey, nobody took initiative here. Were you living up to our core values here when when you made this decision? Um, Were you leading by example? Were you, um, uh, you know, whatever the things are. Did you do the right thing here? Something as simple as that could be do the right thing. Um, But when you have the core value in place, you can say you're not attacking the person, now you're attacking the behavior, and you can separate it. And then when that happens, now also, when somebody takes initiative to do something, you can go, all right, Joe took initiative over here, he's doing great, he gets a Starbucks card, or he gets a pat on the back, or he gets a new hat, or whatever. And then you can start rewarding behavior you want in, in I don't know, reprimanding, whatever, identifying the behaviors you don't want. So I think core values, probably the number one thing that, would, that has helped me go faster.
0: I just want the mic back. Yeah, I do too. Let me okay, then. Now I'll pass on to you. But yeah, just to like piggyback on what he was saying, um, the same kind of thing. I think if there's one thing that you need when you first get started, and to add to core values is your MVVC. You need to know your mission, your vision, your values, and your culture. And it's not just for something that your employees are going to benefit from down the road or going to help you. It's something you desperately need. If you don't know who you are, why you're in business and where you're going, you will forget. If there's one thing that happens to entrepreneurs as they grow and I've been through this is you get six months down the road and you see a shiny penny or something seems difficult and you start veering off. Well, maybe that was a little hard. Let's go a little bit this way or a little bit that way. And next thing you know, you're just going in circles. You need something that reminds you every day while you're getting up and fighting and pushing through the wall. So that is that will set it, it'll be for you and it'll be for every person that's on your team and you won't forget, and you'll be able to kind of go after it day by day, month by month, until you hit it. And it's gotta be something that you're willing to fight for because it's hard. What they're basically
4: saying is treat it like a business from the beginning.
5: That's exactly right. No, but there's there's so much, like you're saying, you know, where you are now and looking back, you know, hiring is one of them, right? Put the people in place and the money will come. I talked about that. And so you want to run your your business off of policies, right? Not feelings. We're all talking about that. You're going to see a lot of similar things that we're talking about here. But me was putting people in place. That was number one, right? I had the org chart. I knew who needed to be where, but in the beginning I did a little exercise and I took three buckets and I needed to come up with three positions. I was doing all the positions, I was wearing all the hats, I was in sales, I was in on the truck, right? I was doing the admin. Take three buckets and write on little index cards what you're doing each day, like you were saying. You know what I mean? Know what you're doing, how to put the toothpaste on, how to brush your teeth, all those things. Create three buckets, create three positions, and then hire for those positions and focus on your strengths and put people in that are better than you. You know, I think,
6: I think my suggestion would be form your professional dream team now rather than later. And when I mean dream team, it's the professionals you want around you to protect you and to help you grow. So my holy holy trinity would be a banker, a lawyer, and an accountant. Like those are the three people you need to know right off the get, and they can all work together they probably ought to know each other but uh, you know the banker helps you grow right or if times get lean to help you get by the lawyers there to help create protections around you and then God forbid they also help protect you right so these are the people that write your organization your articles organization they help get you registered correctly too many times at least in the fencing industry I see guys start out as craftsmen. They start out on the evenings, on the weekends. They've got a full-time job. They start off just doing it for friends and family, and then they go to sleep one night and they wake up. And it's two or three years later. They've got a couple helpers. They're bringing in more money, but they're still so sole, sole proprietor technically because they haven't registered. And then, God forbid, a helper backs into the lake or backs into another car. And now they're in a world of hurt because they don't have the lawyer. They didn't get themselves correctly, legally registered, and have some protections in place. And now their primary place of residence is now up for grabs because they weren't protected properly. Uh, insurance agent is is a kind of no-brainer. But again, in the fixing industry, you see a lot of guys that say, well, I don't need work comp because I work for myself. At least in the state of Missouri, that answer kind of varies state by state. But in the state of Missouri, if you work for yourself, you don't need work comp. And then once you bring somebody on though, the first person you bring on, technically you're supposed to have work with Stomp. Well, but they kind of work for me sometimes and I really don't pay them officially. So I think we'll get by and then something happens, right? They back into a vehicle or they're in the vehicle driving with you, driving to a job and you guys get in a wreck and then things kind of get hairy, right? So lo and behold, they wish they would have formed this professional dream team around themselves from day one. And then and then you add on from there, right? But the banker, the lawyer, insurance agent would be a good top three.
1: All right. Thank you guys for some fantastic answers. I'm glad I started with a broad question to get so many different answers here. And then I'm glad we talked about personnel at the end there. Because that's probably one of the most common questions I get is around personnel, and people always request the question of when do you know when you're ready to make your first hire? So I pose that question to you guys. When do you, when do you know you're ready to make that first hire? And then to people in the room who made that first hire and have people on their teams, what would you say about when do you know when you're ready to make the next hire? Sorry. Right away. Hire the person right away get off the truck,
7: yes.
5: okay? But you wanna have systems and procedures, you wanna have your protection because when you hire somebody, you wanna be ready. You gotta have a hiring guide of what you need, the W-2, right, the, the compliance right here, ask the seal. I hire people that if they were breathing, they had a pulse, great, you're hired, right? We all kinda of do that as our first technician. We learn really quickly when SWAT shows up with an AK-47 and say, hey, is this guy worked for you? Holy crap! Okay, that's why we have badges. Um, but you want to hire right away, um, and you want to have the systems and procedures to make sure that they walk through. And you can get with your, you know, employment. Your uh, we use who are we use for payroll, payroll medics, and they will onboard you digitally now. For employees, they make it a lot easier um, to where I was writing out all the systems we had, you know, a stack of papers that they had to sign. But have those, you know, the checklists and stuff like that, and set yourself up for success on that.
6: Well, since we're currently hiring, I think this is a timely question. Uh, no, so in the past we've been guilty of, and from time to time we're still guilty of hiring after the need. Right, so we've got a fully staffed crew, we've got everyone in the right positions, and then someone decides that their significant other is taking a better job in a different state, and they gotta go with them. They were stuck, right? Because it's all, it's maybe not never the helpers, but it's rarely the helpers. Typically the people in key positions that really hurt the most. So what we've tried to start doing is hiring before the need, right? So we say, you know, in five years, where do we wanna be? We wanna be in terms of revenue or maybe in terms of services offered. What staff do we need to make that dream happen? And we start putting them in place immediately, right? So we put the people in place first and then we grow into really their skill sets. But uh, like I said, we've been guilty of hiring after the need ultimately, but at this point, we're trying to be proactive at hiring before the need. So my suggestion would be figure out where you wanna go. Hire to where you know higher to wherever that trajectory is. Patrick's right, you gotta get off the truck as soon as possible. I mean that's that is the craftsman world and ultimately you want to live in the business owner world. Right? It's the whole don't own the job, own a business and on and on and on. You hear a lot of people say really similar things, but hire the people that can get you off the truck the fastest and then ultimately hire the people that will put you out of your day to day job. And so then you can elevate yourself, really, to business
5: owner. I would say fire yourself.
6: Yeah. (laughs) Fire yourself
5: out of those positions. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, I can't,
4: I can't. (laughs)
1: Yeah, some more great answers. So uh, along those lines, now we've talked about procedures a couple of times and writing out those SOPs, but for someone who hasn't done that before, what does that look like? What's step one? How do you really just get those S.O.P.s from your head onto paper? Fantastic question.
3: So when I first did it, I sat on the couch at night after I was done working and I just wrote it out one day, I just wrote a book and uh, put it together and just, that works. But now if we have a, something, basically, we'll get a couple of them in the room. It's like whoever's department it is, it's, um, you know, say it's we get a new piece of equipment or whatever it is we'll have you you and you we're all going to use it you already use it we're and and you get a couple managers whatever get your people around and say and get a woman because they typically type and are more organized and say all right here's what the process is and she starts typing and say what do you do first you put on rubber gloves rubber gloves put on goggles goggles and then write all these steps down and in 5 minutes you got an SOP i mean it's it's really that simple it's not um an operating procedure is not difficult. I mean, it's step one, step two, step three, all the way, you know, to the end. So I, I think if if you don't overcomplicate it, you can do it pretty quick, and um, and then have a lady write it out for you. Have a good lady in your life. Yeah, behind every
5: amazing woman, there's a guy, right? But no, but yeah, spot on, guys. Spot on. It took it took. Uh, Three, three breaks in my leg to put me on the couch for a while to write out a lot of dang SOPs. So what you guys have with the checklist, what I gave you guys, put them in place. You need to rewrite them for your company, make them yours. You got to be proud of them. It goes down to your mission, value, purpose, why you implement these things. But again, it goes back to the buckets, right? You can write on index cards real quick what you're doing and then you can give it to a VA, give it to your wife. Whoever and work together to build out those systems, pretty, pretty easy. And you don't need, you know, if you guys are under two hundred fifty thousand or five hundred thousand, you don't need what we need as multi-million dollar companies. Start off small. Some people get they get in this analysis paralysis, and you're like, dude, I cannot write. All. I barely made it through high school. Same here. You you heard me reading? I could barely read some of that stuff, right? But. You got to start now, and I know how valuable those systems are now to grow. That I'm willing to do the crap that I don't like to do and put those systems in place to better my company, my family, and my team members. So do it.
8: Uh, do, you, uh, do you know where I can get like a, uh, like a uh-huh. yeah, like, um, SDS sheets? Yeah, if you get like a chemical. You asked that, me earlier like, for that. Work, like, do-
5: so, you need like a chemical log or what you yeah, want on there? I guess, I
8: mean, I, I've heard that some people have to have that. Long before,
5: but... You do. you got to have
8: that the, by the law, you got to have the
5: SDS sheets. So, if you get to an accident, God forbid, you, you could have a lot of chemicals on your truck that could co- cause a bomb, right? So, SDS sheets, you can Google them, and whatever you're buying those chemical places will a lot of times give you the SDS sheets that you can print off and put in your. But you saw my softwash truck out there. We have a binder with all the SDS sheets plus you know, the cheat sheet. So if we ever get pulled over, they're like, and it has to be an arm's reach by law. So it's underneath that middle seat, whatever, arm's reach. So you can say, here you go. This is what's in my truck. Yeah. So just go online. And this is a huge no, guys. Look, for you guys getting into the industry, you've been in the industry for five years, become, you know, a, the best relationship with your supplier you can be because they're going to fight for you. Hey, I got this chemical. It did this. How do I do it? They know people in the industry that hey, let me put you in contact with this person. You may not have ran into it, but I guarantee you're right. You know, we have we got lake, we got trucks in the lake, we got paint changing. You know what I mean? We've been through the stuff, right? So reach out. That's what we're here for as an industry. PWNA. get involved in that. They have the training for you. You want to collapse time? Okay, I'm gonna leave you with that. You got, you got that.
4: What no. Question, Matt? You're referencing training and D. stuff, right? No. That's not the question. That's the next question. Well,
9: wait,
0: Hold on. Matt, come up here. You were You're supposed to be up here.
10: I'm waiting on You don't have a chair?
0: I'm good. Actually, have my chair. This man needs to be up here.
9: I disagree with all of them. I don't need that. I don't need this. I disagree with everybody on the entire panel here. I believe that no employee is going to read a book, okay? Uh, operating procedures for individual employees need to be on one sheet of paper, period. That's the, all they're going to ever read. How I got to that part, way back in the 1900s, okay? See his little spiral notebook? You guys, you guys ever seen one of these? I know that a lot of these guys yokes yeah. in with the cell phones. Don't don't know <laughs> <He said>, these, <laughs> these have paper in them, right? And this is not mine, so I won't look at what he wrote in here. but he's got things written in here okay and you go out and you buy one of these for each employee each employee and if they take a poop they record it okay and they literally write down everything they do for as long as they can do it you want them to do it for 30 days and you want to see just like you brush your teeth go to the bathroom and all that stuff you want to start analyzing what they're actually doing and from that now you can create a procedure and i'll tell you why you do it like this the reason you do it like this is because employees are like olympic athletes we have our silver medalists our gold medalists right and our platinum or titanium or whatever the heck you want to call it whatever the best one would be bronze okay you're going to have guys that are you're going to always have people that are going to perform better and guess what if you listen to your people and you actually implement some of the things believe it or not they're gonna give you better ideas because they are the people in the field doing it if you are a business owner okay and lots of my employees did a lot of things better than matter of fact, I talk about the one gal that was my first real GM okay she was really I mean she was amazing amazing and I, had, I had amazing people that did these things, just like Matt said, we don't hire employees. I hate employees, employees suck, okay? And you hire team members, partners, whatever it is you wanna call them, but if you don't instill that into that that's what they are, they're never going, you're never gonna bring them to their full potential. It'll never happen. And from the lowest technician level, you've got, in, in those meetings, you have to make them feel what, Matt? that is important. important and if they can change your things they're gonna they're gonna be the key to changing your business because guess what if you think you know everything just because you worked your own truck for three years you're out of your mind because we just showed guys how long you been in this Bert? Years. you learned something out there today after 22 years didn't you mm-hmm. pretty amazing wasn't it okay guess what we start listening to our employees and simply it's simple have them write this down every day it's a log of everything they do what did they just do did can you tell me what they just do what they do for you did they make it easy for you
5: yeah how by doing it they wrote the law now you have to
9: put the key things and the key components into a one page one page. Who has had a job in here and read the employee manual? Come on, tell me. Tell me. It's that, it's that <laughs> easy, guys. It's that easy. Definitely. Don't sit on the couch when you broke your leg and write it out. Because you're going to have to change your Hey,
6: I've got an important thing to add. So, one way that you can have your team show you proficiency that they did read it is teach backs right so have them either teach you what you just taught them or what they're supposed to learn or teach someone else preferably someone who has no idea how it works to show proficiency which is also kind of how we test the SOPs right like it makes sense to me but i'm the guy doing it it makes sense to you because i read it to you but then i explained it can you explain it to someone else or to me you know, what the process is. I think teach background
9: for everyone. I'll, I'll add to that accountability. If you can make a process, if there's no accountability on the processes, guess what? There's no processes Because
6: there's no
5: accountability. It's not a process. That's what we do in our level 10 meetings. We have by whom and by when. By who, they're taking accountability, and then by when, that's the accountability. How often
9: do you retest them, Pat?
5: Um, well, so we do our level 10 meeting once a week, and then we do our people analyzer, which we're actually going to start going weekly. We're going to yeah. test them weekly on what they're doing. They you mean pay. to tell, mean tell me
9: an employee, employee will, will forget a procedure? You're kidding. That's why we role play. We talk about sales. <laughs> you got to be kidding.
1: Isn't that great? Well, thank you. We have a quick question over here. It's not so much a question, more of a
7: statement um, or a slogan. You can remember it's great for, for what you're talking about. Um, no, nobody looks a boss. Um, That's why we all are entrepreneurs. We didn't want a boss. That's what we all said most 99%. Um, Your employees don't want a boss either. But everybody wants, loves, and needs a coach. And so if we coach our teams instead of boss our teams and teach and train and find the highlights and and let them guys, let the quarterback write his play. Amen. Once he starts writing his play, he he begins
10: to own that. And it's now his system. But it's also important that you stop calling employees. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I'm we saying- have, a, We have outlawed it, even in our handbook, yeah. We went through the whole entire thing, we put team members- Yeah, I don't, have employees.
7: I don't have employees. I'm saying most people treat them as employees and they're, they're boss employee, but it's not. It's coach and team member. We got to win the game together.
9: Yeah. Customers would call in and ask for the owner and the guy would go, he's not the owner. Right. And okay. we had to tell them to stop saying that. <laughs> Come on. Because we want them all to be the owner yes and if the
1: customer's calling asking for the owner and it's them that's gold yes okay they gotta own it thank you sounds like you'll love dave's speech tomorrow it'll be very relevant but thank you guys that's great so now if someone here is saying all right i'm ready to make that first hire or the next hire and i understand what i need to do for procedures what do i do for training where do i start where do i begin and i'm going to start off with with beau on that one
11: <laughs>
4: well, it, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say join the PWA and get everything So I'm not going to, but join the PWA. <laughs> all, right, all right.
5: So training was a big thing for me. I, I want to employee proof my company. You want to do the same because again, Ron will make fun of me. But when you break away, you can't do the things right. So. God was good. I had an awesome team that took it, ran with it, and we did good, right? I didn't have to be there. Do I have an office at at the office? He took it. Exactly. I don't have an office at my office, right? So going back to training, we use talent LMS. So there's a lot of things that you can do. Everybody's got a smartphone. Start recording yourself now. How you unroll the hose, how you turn the pressure washer on. Don't put your hand on the exhaust. Right. Right? How do we fill the machines? Like it's got to be basic that my seven-year-old can go wash or do the fence, or, you know, to, to a level, right? So talent LMS, you can do unlisted YouTube videos. Um, there's a lot of things out there. Again, if you want to uh, collapse time, PWA training right out the gate, guys. Look, we're stepping our game up right next week. That's something you guys can implement. Remember what we said? learning is for losers implementations for winners i want
9: to ask him a question does he have an instruction manual
5: <laughs> so yeah if, if you can't do that you're probably not going to work for me all right but no i'm not going to lay it out and i tell my guys that i'm not a babysitter when i hire territory managers i'm not a babysitter you got to go do it this is your business your territory is your own business you provide you go out and you hunt it. And you get it or you don't work here. Like, love you, right? We're gonna have a pizza party on Friday, and we're gonna bless you, because you're gonna go do something great somewhere else, but not here. I'm gonna be blunt, I'm gonna be bold with my guys, but I'm not a babysitter. Like, you can't do it. Now, I'm gonna give you the framework for it, and there's there's the window in between, and we're gonna love up on you, and the team's gonna love up on you, but again, the people analyzer. You gotta get it, want it, and have the capacity to do it. Because how many people, you know, I had a guy that called me, he's like, dude, I hired this new guy. He tried to plug the garden hose into the flagpole. <laughs> Where are you hiring your guys at, right? Now we got to reverse engineer it, right? We talked about that. So you got to hire the guys. We do working interviews, right, to get the right people in the right seats.
8: And that's a whole other thing. But anyway. When you're saying have to write everything down, you mean at job site? I'm talking about oh, the time that they old. clock in meaning that clocked
9: in, they are everything. I mean, it's, it's silliness, like did they start the truck or did they not start the truck? When they got to the job, did they hook the water hose up first or did they not? Or did they unroll the other hose first? This is the only way you're gonna find out that they're doing these things the right way or the wrong way, okay? And that's why, that's why you gotta do it. But to, note, to talk about what Pat's talking about, and I did it as a young Ron, I mean, you know, you you, you get you have a temper, you do all these things, you're pissed off because they didn't do something right, but you didn't give them anything to make them successful, okay? And when so many guys call me all the time and say, Ron, the guy drove away and pulled the hose bib off the building, you know? I said, okay, you really, you think he's a moron because he did that? You're a moron because you didn't have a process in play to have that not happen. And owners of businesses, especially young owners, don't want to take responsibility for their mistakes. We are are the people that are training them. If they're doing stuff wrong and messing up, whose fault is it at the end of the day? It's ours. When I go to a restaurant and there's dirty silverware, you immediately think the dishwasher's at fault, right? The dishwasher didn't do his job. No, it's the general manager of the ship who didn't do his job. Why my glass is all cloudy and doesn't look good. Or I get some dirty silverware. Or I get a food comes out of the kitchen back. It's the GM, not the cook not the dishwasher okay you guys agree with that yes, sir. To <laughs> <laughs> judy you're, like, you're gonna answer questions don't be so quiet no. nah, there's a question that's gonna be a good question too
11: well this just goes kind of in the flow of where you are but you have your plans you've done your training you've done all the right things Now, how do you follow through with um, reviews, employee reviews? How often do you do that? What's in the employee review? And then on the second side of that point, what's the disciplinary action for not following through with X, Y, Z, Q, R, S? And how many times do you discipline, and at what point do you say,
9: it's not. I had a great, I, I think I had a great disorder type of action. This is that, I go back to that gene, that one gene that I had that was awesome. You know, we had guys repeating we had guys repeating things. And, you know,
11: they were doing their jobs
9: good, they were good technicians, you're like, man, they keep doing these little small little rinky-dink things. They keep moving tools, places, you know, how, how are we going to stop them doing this? And it all came back because we spent, like, $1,600 on a 4 dollars water key. Like you know? okay? And we, we're looking down, we're lining, okay? Okay, that's it. We didn't spend sixteen hundred dollars water key. And then we found out we lost, like, 300 water keys, you know what I mean? And we're like, this is ridiculous, you know what I mean? And. Uh, so she came up with a thing and basically she she wrote a a disciplinary letter out okay and she wrote what the infraction was and then we wrote on the infraction basically what the employee was no longer going to do this again and they signed it okay as their first offense doing this and i'm going to tell you something when you put that in writing and you have and you have that type of disciplinary action and you have, make them sign that i'm gonna tell you right now the first it, 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 they might have done it 12 times after they signed that saying are not going to do it again that, that is one thing they will never do they might do something else again they might pull the hose off the, the building or something okay and then you gotta write them up on that but if we we would always say if you got three of those you were gone okay and i and i had employees for a long time okay I at least had 17 years with me so I had two retired 25 years. I remember Pat called up and told me, "Hey man, you don't nobody's going to do this job for their entire life." And I said, "What are you talking about, man?" I said, "I got two guys retired 25 years." I said, "If you treat these people the proper way, they're going to stay with you." You know what I mean? So when we did that for the longest time, we never even got the guy with the second fraction. He never did it again. We we never, ever fired somebody, it was a three strike rule. you did it three times, you're out. Well guess what? Once they did that once, all of a sudden their mentality and everything else they were doing in in procedures immediately got better because they didn't want to be in the office again siding that front of the chair, saying that they did something.
0: wrong.
9: All of a sudden they started, all of a sudden that person that was doing those things wrong All of a sudden, it didn't matter. It's just like checking the oil. We had a guy that kept blowing motors and he just wouldn't check the dang oil. One time we said, hey man, we you found your truck blowing oil again. Happens again, man. Happens three times. You're gone. We're not going to pay for you to another motor. We always checked the oil. We followed the process of it. When he filled up, we checked the oil when he was, closed, and he never moved again. But we stopped by. a motor. That
8: truck had four motors. It's <clears> ridiculous. <throat> how often would do you check your motors? Every day. Do what? Every day. I ask you, how often do you check your mom? Small engine? Uh oh yeah, for, I got four right? Oh yeah, every you gotta
9: check small engine now.
5: They they, burn off. they just burn off. Once a week for us, we do it once a week. Ladies yeah, burn off. Friday, yeah, they do. And you gotta add it. So Friday is our inspection. So our general manager, Paul, actually they inspect it every day. They take pictures, they upload it into Slack or flock. And then we see what's done. You saw my checklist in my truck. Everything needs to be where it's at. So you hold them accountable daily. know your people analyzer daily. I'm not vetting them. My team is vetting them. Right. So on te- honesty, integrity. And we vet them every day. So if they have a bad score week to week, then we bring them in and we say, "Dude, what's going on?" He might have a you know family issue going on. How can we love up on him and make him better the next week? And then if it is an infraction, you we write him up. Right. Um, but again, we have a negligence policy. So if they leave a wand on a job, they leave a full five gallon gas tank at the gas station. They've done it before. I'm not paying for that, they're paying for it. You can't take it out their first check, but you can the second check, they gotta know you're taking it out. So I'll do that, but again, that's strike number one, we're gonna write them up. But I'm not eating those things. If you hurt their pocket, they're not gonna do it again.
7: Well it's just like with one of my guys this week, he called me last Friday, he said, Chris, uh, how owe you an extension lab? I said, what happened? He said, man, I literally forgot to tie it down. But he said it came off and the car ran over, over it, a big truck ran over it, crushed the ladder. But we've got that culture in place that he literally called me
5: and said, hey, man, just give the check to us pay for it. So let me touch on that real quick, though. So there was a company in Florida, I 4, it's got a really big dip. Mm-hmm. Employee forgot to strap down the ladder. Came off the car, went through a minivan, and killed a family. Yeah. Mm. That's how important a big deal. this stuff is, guys. Yep. We have a lot at stake. As you guys are growing companies and you're investing in people, you've got to have the checklist. Every time we walk around a truck, before we drive it, we walk around, we shake the ladders. Because that thing might look like it's strapped down, the assistant tech did it. This is huge stuff. That's why you got the lawyer. That shouldn't happen, right. but it does. Don't get me wrong, we've all done it. I've surface cleaners come off trucks. Why? Then we reverse engineer. I've lost a service cleaner, but I've driven over them several years. I've had customers <laughs> drive over them too, and my guys put them in front of the garage. Like, They're like, oh, we're going to do this here, and they walk around. I was like, <sighs> come on. Everything you name, we've had happen, guys.
4: Because you always put the service in between the truck and the train. Yeah. And then you pull. Well, let, let me touch on something related to that right there, okay? It, it's all about documenting mm-hmm. things with your company, with your employees. I'm going to use a name that everybody knows, Raymond Burke, okay? A couple years ago, I was standing right next to him at a, a huge convention when one of his trucks blew a tire and flipped, okay? And he lost one of his employees, it was a very close friend of his. Now, his entire company went under investigation. Number one, at this site, the highway patrol. One of the SDS Okay, he had everything that was on the truck, whatever chemical it was, the bleach and everything else. And then during the investigation, the family then wanted to go sue, and insurance investigates, workman's comp investigates. You know, he had all the documentation of the tires that replaced, you know, when were they replaced last As the tire blew all right, when was the vehicle you know, serviced, all of that stuff, and he basically was, was deemed not responsible for anything because of his documentation of maintenance and unfortunately there was, you know, the driver had some uh, stuff in his blood, and went, okay? So, but they, he had all the documentation. That, if he didn't have some or one of those things, he would have been in big trouble financially, certainly through the workman's cop claim, uh, and, the, and the insurance, and he was, got out of the free now. They lost a family friend and an employee, unfortunately, but documenting everything as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, kind of to piggyback
5: on the, the, the cost or loss of stuff, I worked for a company at one point and when they brought on new, it was a lawn care company, and so they put a value on the blower, the spreader, the each little thing, and on the new hire packet, there was basically a value placed on each item, and they basically signed something stating that if they broke it or damaged or lost it due to
8: negligence, that it could come out of the first check, where you said it couldn't be on the first, so it was actually... You can't
5: because you're messing with their money, right? And like they have bills and stuff like that, you take, now again, well, that we was, have parts, right? So I would say they had, of, had it in there and it was something that was signed and they did and sure. it basically had conflicting, at one point they removed it because they had conflicting return from two different legal teams, Yeah. one, like they owned another company and one company said you can't do that and other company said you can. You can't take another check the first check. And another thing is they have to make minimum wage. <laughs> So if you take anything out, they still have to make minimum wage, and again, they're that's, gonna quit, right? that's, I think like, that I'm that's what it was. 100. They
3: deducted them below minimum wage. Exactly. So you gotta
5: know your laws, right? Okay. But what we do is I have a heart, right? So if you leave a six hundred, six hundred dollar blower on the job, like, hey man, I need to make this hurt. What do you think? The consequences need three to be. days off, right? And then they'll be like, dude, I want to pay for it. I'm like, look, I'm not going to make you pay for the $600. Plan. Like, it's my fault because I didn't train you. Where do you think I went wrong? And then I'll be like, I'm going to cover it. You know, or I might split it with them. Or I might just say, hey, take $100 out of my check. And we'll do 50 this week, 50 next week, or the following week, whatever it is. But you're building that culture and say, look, we messed up. I messed up by not training you. And you own that, right? Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I was going to say. It almost felt in that, like detrimental because yes. it never failed. It was always the guy who was trying to milk the clock that was overrun procedures. And it was the guy that was trying to put in O T and do you right and take care of you that screwed yes. something up and then all of a sudden it's it made people not want to work harder. It almost felt like sometimes so yes. right. you to a, back to that point, you have to be a little bit lenient
7: with it. Especially at first because you know like six months. Okay.
0: Uh, you, you, you take. I got 600 bucks automatically. Guess what's going to happen next time you ask me He's that's gone. Cool. <laughs> He's not <laughs> going to tell you. You're He's not going to know. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. so right. So you got to yeah. build that confidence
9: up. Let you know me anything. So you failed. I got a question, Pat. Yes. Do, you, do you guys lose a lot of tools?
5: No, not anymore. What I do uh, best. Checklist every Friday. Pictures every day of what everything needs to be. You see the back of my truck. Everything has a spot. So, we label everything, we color code every truck because you put two trucks on a job. They're switching things, and that bad employee that you're talking about will stick out like a green thumb because he's stealing from another truck. That guy's going to take it fault for it because we're like, where is it? I had it yesterday. You're not allowed to steal from other trucks. That's immediate. Gone. Yeah. That's
9: good. That would my job easier. Yeah. Yeah, we color coded yeah. everything in gray stuff. Yeah, so they Where do you think steal, I got that? so they couldn't steal it. Oh, you stole my idea! <laughs> I stole your idea! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going tell you, I'm gonna touch on this thing me. about him paying for the surface <laughs> cleaner or him doing it. So you're Pat's right, it's against law trying to dig an employee like that, you to get a lot of trouble. In our state, it's three times their uh, payroll. Okay, so you got caught doing that, you're going to have to pay them a the penalty of three times their three times their payroll. That's ridiculous. You ever think that? And by the way, the labor board is a kangaroo court. You ever been there? And I've been there. And it, it, it's not like uh, a real court. They just say, "Oh, you're you're wrong. You need to pay them this, and you better pay them, or we're going to shut you down." That's it. As That's simple as it works. But here's a way, here's a nifty way if you have employees to lose it. One, you can engrave them and color code them, okay? But there's this little thing in the construction industry, we are not in the construction industry, but the law is the law. And contractors, I know that some of these guys in here that are construction guys will understand it. There's a gang box, right? You guys on a job site, right? Where they have those tools that are issued from the job site. Well, does a carpenter own his own hammer or does he use the company's hammer? The These are tools of trade. That's what it's called. That's called. And if you want to issue them them, them small things that they have to have sometimes are they add up oh, man when they start using that stuff. Like I just told you a $4 part was like sixteen hundred dollars a line item. That was just one water piece. So like, what else are we losing? Like, until we, we figured out they were playing the, hey man, I lost my service cleaner. I just went ahead and stole Louis and put it on my truck so I didn't take any heat for it. And then that didn't even do us any good. So now we can't look back where the dang service cleaner was because we think the wrong guy lost it. So we're looking at his job when we shouldn't be looking at the other guy's job. But here's the deal. Issue them that tool bag and these tools of trade period. And it's theirs. And it's a the cost of doing business. And you tell them, I'm issuing these. Guess what they are? They're yours, Jimmy. And you inspect them occasionally. And what do they have to do to come to work? The carpenter has to have what? Hammer. A hammer. Well, you better have your gloves. You better have your safety glasses. You better have your water keys. You better have all the tools that you need to fix minor problems because these are yours now. And yet, it costs us about 165 to 200 bucks to outfit every employee with that, but man, we stopped losing stuff. Oh, here we go They stopped losing the damn tools because they were theirs. You understand that? And and guess what? Now you can say, hey man, don't come into work tomorrow until you have your tools. And guess what? They gotta go down to Home Depot or whatever and replace the tool because now it's legal, it's legal for you to do that because they're the you're considering them the tools of trade. Yeah. Thank I you. I have uh, bonuses. Most of my employees can double their paycheck for a bonus that they want. So if they're screwing something up, they know right then and there. It's coming out of a bonus. You, know, when you get $1,600 one month and the next month it goes down to $400, so you know, you fix it, they are going to fix it themselves. Pretty yeah, but in my state, you can't do that. You can't. Any type of wage or, or compensation, you can't mess with. Them. Probably it's not killing the same.
5: Uh, no, we can do bonuses, so they have to have the base pay, but then you can do bonuses on top of it, and then you take out of the bonus, you, you can could take out of that. Them. Yeah. You can't take uh, out of yeah, The problem that. is, is
0: you're
10: forcing all your people to be poor yeah. operated. You're encouraging point people. You have to be Yeah. You have to, you have to get away from it. Yeah.
0: So we saved well over 250k just this quarter we have saved about $30,000 in credit card fees probably over $1,000 a month at least
3: over $150,000 this
5: year alone $180,000 the first year we worked with them and it's growing every single year thank you bear payments
0: thank you pair i would recommend them to anyone
9: yeah i just wish i would have done it sooner
1: so,
0: so it's
9: not a good
1: so actually because i did a fantastic episode with matt warner on Culture and business, and I believe the episode was called "Addicted to Business." I want to go to him real quick to get his take on such a fantastic question you started out with over there, of like this teammate missteps like this in culture. What what's your take on it?
6: What's the question?
1: The original question was: like, If there's a big misstep by by the teammate, uh, oh oh
10: yeah yeah. yeah. Reaction, so I don't I don't believe in penalties. I think they're dumb. You're encouraging coin-operated. You have to look at this and you have to be committed. Uh, but I also don't allow the word employee. I've heard the word employee from every single one of you. No one, you said team once or twice, but you guys have got to stop.
4: I said
10: Yeah, they do. Uh, because if you look up the word in the dictionary of employee, it's somebody that works for a compensation. If you work up team, it's somebody that works together for a greater good. So you got to start calling them team members. And I know it sounds silly, but we're in a different kind of culture, different thing they, they love it and everybody if anybody knows my salesman at all people most people thought uh, Rachel owned it for years um, had no idea it was even in the scene uh, but but she owns it and she takes it and she runs it um, as far as penalties go I just think that's silly um, I have three rules and, uh, and documenting everything and SOPs on everything uh, is important I don't go to your extent Ron but uh, I have three rules You steal, you lie, or you litter, you're terminated. Keep it simple. Now, there is a few other little things in there, but I tell them in my Monday morning meetings, you steal from me, you lie from me. You lie to me is a big one, but also litter. I added littering because that's just like stealing and lying. So I keep it really simple. I don't think today's um, young people want a real company. You're right, they don't read the handbook we actually make them initial things that we think are gonna impact them. Uh, But but I think culture is just something you have to constantly groom and work on and and make it better. I'm pretty doggone passionate about it. I still am a hot mess most of the time. I'm like, ooh, doggone it, that wasn't very nice of me to do that or say that or whatever. I also don't believe in incentives. I don't have a single, uh, um, nobody's on uh, commissions. I don't have anybody in commissions. 90 people, I don't have any commissions. I don't believe in commissions. I think they're dumb. Uh, if, you, if you can't figure out a way to compensate somebody good enough for doing a really good job, I think commissions are just a thing of the past. It's what we did to force people to be coin-operating. whole other class on, on commissions, and you'll tell me, a lot of people tell me you can't do it. Well, we're doing it, and we're doing it big time. Uh, but I have handed out $35,000, $40,000 bonus checks to people that only made forty or $50,000 because they earned it. And that's the tough part, right? It's if they're earning it, you got to take care of your people. Pay, take care of your people and pay them well. I spoil the hell out of my people. I just did 1,200 pounds of beef. I beef day. 1,200. It took me a dump trailer and 37 coolers to bring back all the beef. We gave it away. Uh, you do beef day now. Uh, beef day is huge, but. but our team loves it. They show up. They're excited. They can't wait. They're sending me pictures of them grilling burgers. I mean, it's beef day. It's, they love it. It's those little things. We also give everybody a pair of boots every year. You get a free pair of boots. Why wouldn't I want you to have? I buy really expensive tires for my vehicles. I I, I only buy Michelin. They're all, they're the best. I only buy them. Why wouldn't I put a good pair of shoes on your feet? I want you. I want your shoes. Oh, matter cool. of fact, one my my team members just call me right now to probably brag about something they did but I allow that they, they, I should have put them on speakerphone I should have well we got some cool stuff going on we just finished a job in Puerto Rico and then we got a job in Hawaii so I've got a crew 5,400 miles apart and they love it and they're thriving but that, that's why I believe it I just think that we need to stop calling them employees and start calling them team members. And when you start getting that mindset, now you've made the first step of commitment because it is your fault if they're
1: going operated. There's a long-winded answer, sir. Thank you, I love I love the different perspectives here. Absolutely, that's why it's great to have a panel. And now this is a question that's fantastic for a panel because I'm sure you've all experienced this and everyone in this room has experienced this next question, which is straight from the book, e which is a fantastic book. A business, I'm sure a lot of you have read it, but the concept here is you went into this business because you either liked pressure washing or you thought it could uh, be a profitable business, you just really enjoyed it, you thought you were good at it or you liked it, but now you own a business, you're an owner operator, and you're wearing all the hats. You find yourself as a salesman, a marketer, you're a bookkeeper, you're an HR, you're doing all this stuff. So my question to you, this long-winded question is, when do you know whether you should be doing something yourself in house, or when is it time to get a third party to handle that for you?
4: Third
0: party being important. So, third party. Oh, so, hey, I'm I'm bad. Bad.
1: Bad. my third party, I'm saying, Talked about how. So I'm saying basically, in house or out of house. When do you know it's time to say, hey, all right, there's a company that can help me out with marketing. There's a company that can help me out with this, that bookkeeper, like insurance, yeah, outsourcing all that stuff. For me, it's very simple. You know, once it's
4: taking you away from what you do best. A rule of thumb that I learned early on is once you find someone, a team member, or an out or can outsource to some somebody else, another company, to do what you were doing as 80% as good as you, hand it over, delegate. It took me a while. I was on the truck for a long time, and, and finally when I started to learn to trust and not be OCD and delegate, like right now, I, my ba- my company runs itself. My, my company is having a team party tomorrow at my house without me. You know, they're, they're, I barely work. I am basically semi retired I don't even like admitting that.
10: But
4: I'm, no, no, I brought all the beer with me. Um, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a beer day. He calls it a beef day. I'm going to call it a beer day. But anyway. So first and
6: foremost, I'm a huge believer that you need to do it yourself before you outsource it. I think a lot of people get sideways when they say, hey, I don't have time for it, but I do think I need it. I'm gonna hire an agency that does this. I marketing's kind of the easy one, right? Just say, hey, this marketing agency, they work with other people that are kind of like me, uh, they do well for them, so I'm just gonna hire them and I don't even have to deal with it. The danger there is you do not understand the metrics to judge them by, right? You don't know what you don't know what to expect of them. Same thing with when we're handing handing off tasks to team members. Is it's important to know the task. It's important to do the task yourself before handing it off, so that you know what expectations to set and know kind of what when you're getting the truth. Right. So do it yourself first. But I like the eighty. I like the eighty percent rule. If you can find someone to do it at eighty percent of efficiency of where you are, and they can do it cheaper, that's when you do. The, that's when you pass it off. Whether it's one of your tasks, I'm a big believer of. I know what my time is worth by the hour to the company, so if I can pass it off to someone for less than that money, one, I'm doing the company a favor, right? And we're becoming more efficient with our money. But two, it's bringing me up to go try to do higher revenue uh, sort of tasks. But uh, you need to do it your first. You need to do it yourself first. That's the that's the thing I see so many people fail at because they say, "Well, I don't know what happened." You know, this agency they were. They're getting me clicks, and they're getting me views, and they're just, I don't know what happened. Well, you don't, you just don't know what, you don't know what they're talking about, so you don't understand when they're kind of bending. You can make numbers say whatever you want them to say, right? You need to do it first to understand that, okay, page views isn't really necessarily that important, right? Link clicks don't mean anything if there's no conversion at the other end. Right, But if you don't know that, then you just you don't know what you don't know. But you need to do it uh, yourself first, and the 80% rule is spot on. If you find something to do it for less, that can complete it at 80% efficiency, that is when you hand it off. That my question.
8: I've seen in the book that you had uh, engine leads, for example, right And uh, I've got a few calls from there, and I kind of put them to the side. The reason why is because uh, I believe that as my my engine, my oil oh, my or engine, should be should be able to generate it, you know, in you know, market and uh and generate uh and have a process for a step of, you know to build those relationships with uh, with my uh, clients uh before uh sending out this so like that. Uh but because you you are uh, implementing your to your uh, system now, uh, did you wait to after after you you uh, really built uh built the process to where y'all can y'all y'all already have established yourself and then extending up the, uh standing the uh, did it send it a partnership with Angie? Or, or, or do you feel that it's okay? Because I was kind of scared that if I um, brought that in, uh, it would kind of handicap me and I was on a scale off of depending on somebody else. So.
6: You
8: said Angie, right? No. There's a
6: reason Angie's List is involved in
9: class
6: actions. Yeah. So
5: back in the day, I used to do Angie's List, which now is owned by Home Advisor. Now, so they're in a class action, awesome. action lawsuit. They send it to other people. So that was back in the day. We did anything to get in there, right? So uh, it's the power of impl- implementation, right? I built the system off of my wins. Every time I did a quote, whether it was, but I found out real quick that it was always a price to the bottom, right? It was me and the three other people in the very beginning, um, and then I built my systems on that. So just start, right? Just start now, and then build your system into there, and you've got to vet your marketing. We vet our marketing on a monthly basis. So whatever marketing we're doing, we vet it, and then if it's below a 5x return, it gets dropped, right? But you have to have the marketing stamina to do it, right? Like EDDM, you got to do it for multiple months, and then really vet it. Um, and we also do yearly, right, but we're always vetting it and then we want to trim the fat twice a year um, because you can get locked in these monthly contracts that add up just like losing the tips and stuff. And then you're like, whoa, I'm looking at my COGS, cost of goods sold, and it's high. Where is it? Small tools and repairs. That means we have to go back and find out where we're getting lost, right? That is your report card, is your P&L. So, but again, just vetting your marketing and that kind of stuff. So. Boots on the ground, you know, those kinds of things, EDDM, and what we talked about earlier. Start there. Yes, sir.
4: So, from a, you know, a, you have the key, right? A lot of socials, you, really you know, you have life and uh, psychic cards for this. They're actually following the you have a really good sales program
0: that you have implemented. What would be your number one suggestion for all you guys to implement those territory managers out to
5: the best they were on the sell so, instead of not just answering the phone off the phone, do percent not Yeah, so, so we start with CSRs and the reason being is when you're small though, your office manager, right? I grew 30% by putting an office manager in place right out the gate. So I was doing all the sales, I was answering the phone. When I put an office manager to take that off of me, then I can focus on sales full time. I can go out and do boots on the ground. I can really replicate my efforts. I grew literally by 30% by putting an office girl in the office, right? Start there, then you get your territory manager that's gonna do your whole 30 you know, mile radius, whatever it is, and then you build, ter- you build it to the model. Where do you wanna go? What are you doing every month? And you reverse engineer your business model. We do a 12 month business model that's on our wall. It's four foot by eight foot wide. I hire off of it, and we go to it monthly. I think what he's
0: asking is, uh, how, do get, how do you get
5: them to be a, a manager first? Oh, is that what you're talking about? No. Okay. no I'm going to All right, yeah. So, lead runners, right, are people who just get leads off the company, and then they don't generate anything. So, we have them replicate. So, we only give them four leads a day, and then they have to replicate four other leads, one for one. So, they have to knock on the doors and everything, so they're not a lead runner. I don't like lead runners. Um, they're just you know getting fat off the back of the company's back I want them to replicate oh yeah so Pat you're
7: back on the truck you're you're the only guy way back
9: how long ago that was 10-15 years
5: ago yeah it was probably 10 years ago
9: you're on the truck you're alone nobody else is with you who are the first two team members
5: Woo! Team <laughs> <again. laughs>
9: that you, you hire, and tell yep. me the order that you hired now.
5: Great. All right. So it was an assistant tech, then it was a lead tech, and then it was an office manager, and I became the salesperson. You were the fourth person. I was the fourth fired person. Yourself. I fired myself from technician, got off the truck, and then I was the sales Save. guy. What's that? Again All right. Assistant tech. How long? How long? Immediately. Uh, until until you brought that assistant tech on. Uh, do it immediately now. So yeah, I would do it immediately now. Before it was like, you know how it is, we're like, nobody can do it better than me, right? <laughs> right? Uh, immediately, immediately. Assistant tech is the easiest person to to hire, right? We, we create a job description form, pulling hoses, lead, the, lead tech. Then the lead tech, we got it down to we can hire a lead tech right now in three weeks through our training process so assistant tech lead tech gets you off of the truck you're doing sales you're pop inspecting jobs you're inspecting what you expect on job sites while you're around there and literally guys you have to be the guy with the binoculars in the bushes making sure they're not sitting on a five gallon bucket on the job site that's what we do we inspect what we expect right i was talking about it earlier how like i'm always watching dot dot, dot. like i love you and i trust you but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there and let you know I'm always watching because I want to do that, right? We do that with our ops manager and stuff like that. And we make it fun, guys. Not like, I'm going to find you doing something. No, I want my team members to love what I do. And they make a joke of it. They're like, when a new employee comes on, they're like, dude, has Pat Pop infected you yet? I'm like, no. Oh, he will. Right? And they're like, yeah. And I'll do it. And I'll even do it in the thread in our flock to say, hey, always watching. And they're like, dang, how'd you get me? I was at the YMCA working out, remember? In the sales vehicles. I got a picture from a competitor and I sent it to him, always watching, da da da. So you just make it fun. But again, assistant tech, lead tech, office manager got me to do what I like to do best and I honed in on the sales. Sales cures all, guys. When you put numbers on the board, you can hire people. When you have money in the bank, guess what? You can do some fun things. Okay?
1: Hopefully that
5: helps.
1: All right. So the next question here. And this is. A very broad question so you can answer however you'd like but we have such a fast-moving world now what is changing in this industry right now and what do you have to consider in 2022 and onward that you did not have to consider prior
2: so the things that's changing right now is you know we have supply issues we have like materials that we're short on so these manufacturers are making like gutters that look the same, but they're made with something different. So I think I was, um, <clears throat> I was in Nashville and one of my contract, my contract book, one person I sell to that my mentor called me. said, I just, got okay, I sent you pictures. Look at these gutters. There's spots all over them. I'm like, well, you pitched the gutters. She's like, but they're the same gutters I have. I said, well, they may look the same, but they're not made the same. So, what's changing now is just because you think you know how to wash something you may need to test it now because everything is different so what we're used to just a few years ago is not the same now so the materials are different they're making them different just because they have to you know it's like what i know (laughs) so even like the machines i'm getting in and you know, the machines I'm getting in, they're not the same as what's on my website. They're like, do you have this? I'm like, no, because I don't know what gearboxes we can get. I don't know what pumps I can get. I don't know what machines I can get. So I may have a GX800 with an 8-gallon-minute pump because we can't get any 10-gallon-minute pump. So, you know, it's, it's just different and it's, it's just unexpected. So, you know, we're just going to have to deal with it and move on. But just protect your property, your customer's property, protect yourself. And... Uh, just test everything. I mean, that's, I get tired, my, 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 look, my voice is going away because of my test test, but that's um, no, very important. And you know, with the, the paint issues and the chemicals, everything's changing. Like the one chemical test said worked, it didn't work two years prior. I keep testing it. If they change it, I say, hey, tell me you changed it. And I'm, I'm testing it. If it fails, I'm telling everybody it fails, i buy it. So I'm very adamant about that. I'm very, you know, this industry is very important to me. I've been in it for years. Um, awesome. awesome. Thanks for doing
0: all that paint work. Well, okay. Yeah, and she wasn't in here earlier
4: when I was talking about uh, the paint issues, but that is, and right off the top of my head, that paint issue is, is changing our approach right now because we're getting blamed for it, we're paying the price, and we need to do something about it. And nobody's done more work on this than Trudy has. So we need to acknowledge her, give her a round of applause and thank her because her work is, is cut out. She's not gonna stop. You got a question? Oh, I mean, kind
11: of, good this painting. Like the way that we've approached this painting is we have had one house that have this issue. (laughs) Um, and usually it is a certain color, but, but what we've done is we, we, we just, you know, we're huge on setting the expectation. And so if we set the expectation here and we come in here, You know, then we have customer dissatisfaction. But if we set the expectation here, and we come in here, then the customer is always happy. You know, this is part of our training process that we tell our customers. You know, um, so for example, with the house, one of the things that we're doing is when we go out and we see a purple house, you know, we will say we will clean this house for you. Um, The solution that we use might change the paint. Um, if you would like us to clean it, we're going to have to have your yeah. But we can clean it with just soap. but it's not going like to get mold and mildew off, but we're happy to do that and your paint's going to be fine. And we give them the choice. And so when they come through, you know, we always have a happy customer because we set the expectation. Um, so I guess my question is, I mean, don't you think that that, that I mean, in my that because otherwise you're just walking on eggshells
2: every time you go wash a house. Well, since I've been doing this, I've had lots of people call me, lots of people message me, and I've had several that had their customer sign a waiver and it didn't mean squat in court. It did not mean anything in court. So your your hands were the last one to touch that house. Your chemicals were responsible for that damage of that property. That's why I'm working so hard to take that liability away from us.
9: Is Lance in your area or theirs? Yeah, he's in yours,
2: he's getting sued Yeah, he called me and we'll talked to him. And,
4: and, I, and I'm, I'm dealing with somebody right now who's in the middle of of that very scenario, OK? And in his proposals now, and he's had him in there for a while. It is very clear that he's telling you he, he's not responsible for this paint issue. They don't care. They're still suing him and he has gone here's the biggest here's the biggest issue in my opinion not the biggest issue but one of the co- very contradictory information what what we're getting from the paint manufacturers they're suggesting that we clean the way we're cleaning okay then telling us that it's not that it's our fault because we're the last ones and legally we're the last last ones to put our hands on them on the property okay um and they've got Conflicting information coming from their store managers, and there's evidence of this. We have tape recordings of this. You know, this same guy has got two separate recordings, walking into two separate Sherwin Williams, asking the same question, and getting the same wrong answer. Okay, as opposed to what their guidelines and what their recommendations are for, because they're changing their language now in their warranty and maintenance information because of this kind of stuff. So, you know, as much as you you can tell the customer in the end, if it's a twenty thousand dollar hit to repaint their house, and he feels like you know what, I don't care what that contract says. My lawyer says I can get twenty grand out of him and repaint the house. Yeah.
9: I do agree with you, though. I think it's something you have to do. I mean, you know, basically the liability still is not going to be negated. But, I'm not
4: saying don't do it, but yeah.
9: but I still think I still think it's I think it's better. And I'm gonna go back to the original question now because I don't wash houses, so I'm sorry you guys are having all the struggles, but it's not my problem. So the original question again was?
1: What's changing in 2022?
9: Okay, obviously you guys are screwing up houses, we know that. (laughs) But but Matt's gonna like this answer because this is up his alley. It being the serial entrepreneur that he is and the reasons that he has a software company I'm gonna tell you guys it took a team of eight to process we tried to process 50 proposals a day back in the 1900s okay I went so far back I started doing invoicing you guys know what a typewriter is anybody like, you guys don't know there and then we, we got the electric typewriter that was awesome man it was awesome was not it yeah, you have to, bam, you had to, you had to, you had to, you had to slam your finger because the P wouldn't work properly. Guys, there's a point here. I did this on Polaroids, okay? And then we went to digital cameras, okay? And as this technology keeps advancing and advancing and advancing, okay? And guess what? Here's the biggest thing I can tell you. If you don't embrace it, you don't get on social media. You don't start running with everything you could do technology-wise. <laughs> I could sit on the toilet now and write fifty proposals myself, which once took eight team members. Oh, yeah. Woo! Come on! Woo! So it took eight team members to do. Think about the cost in that. And now we have applications and programs and things like that that makes all these things much easier. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I got a lot of guys 22 years in this business, okay? A lot of my friends, they see these young guys come in 22 years old, and I've got the stories, had a kid in Atlanta, he started at 22 years old, he's 28 now, he's doing $3 million, and he's got like 14 or 15 trucks in a very, very short period of time. Why? because he was born into this technology he knows nothing different you understand and he started running all that himself and then when he decided to release to somebody he hired a third-party company to take that over for him and then he grew even exponentially even further okay but he took that technology and and ran with it and started using it and if you're afraid of it If you don't think you're going to do it, and Joe is going to tell you, I hope you're going to talk to him a little bit tomorrow about that. If you don't get up there and get on the social media and start and get over that fear, guess what? Your competition is going to run by you too. It's just going to happen. And if you don't understand why a guy like him is writing this software, because Caleb and them are a testimony to his software, how much more efficient and productive has it made you guys?
3: We cannot run a physical
9: But but so so what's that value? Three hundred thousand a year, five hundred thousand. What is it? What is that? <laughs>
6: yeah, I, I tell matt all the time, please don't do it to me. But you should charge people more because it is really really valuable. It took us from we had basically three salespeople and then an office admin. Oh my or, gosh, you got
9: the same story I got. You're telling me you, tell, you had eight people to do the job. Now a half person does or a quarter? Which one? Well, want?
6: so my sister does now both sales and project management. So one person now does the work of, yeah,
9: yeah, four or five. Same thing when we went paperless way back when, all of a sudden, the three people that we had went down to a half a person. A half.
10: You want to- would that be the top half or the bottom app? <laughs> yeah. half? Yeah. Half of you is different <laughs> than a half <laughs> <laughs> of no, her. I think it's great. I think, I think it, what he's saying is you got to embrace the technology. We actually test everything on my 91-year-old grandpa. I mean, if I give it to my grandpa, and he can do it. Anybody should be able to do it. And I have a lot of people that say, hey, I can't get customers to go through and do it for me. And I say, well, then you need to figure out your process. Right? Because that customer is probably going to be a pain the whole entire way. If they won't cooperate with you on day one, there's sure that going to be a pain in your keister later on. So if you have a process, and, and you do, everybody runs through my salesman no matter what, and then he vets them and then gives them the quote. Well, if they won't do your process, then you don't want them. Yeah?
9: Charge them more.
10: We charge them more. I like picking up a raw If you do not want to follow our process, we'll be happy
1: to help you, but we're going to charge you more and we're going to tell you. We, we definitely have that factor. We, we, we charge you more. All right, so last question before we get to the audience questions here. We're going to do like a speed dating round here. Uh, not, I'm a female. At
2: your
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be a lot of us in trouble. So we'll do. Like, well, you know Here's what we'll call it: the elevator pitch round on what you're most excited for in this industry in the next <laughs> year. We'll start here and go down. I want an answer from everyone: what you're most excited for in this coming year. This is this
9: is a real simple answer for me. The industry organizations have literally worked almost against each other for my entire existence in this industry against each other and there's been all kinds of havoc drama no one could get on the same page and this year we're all coming under one roof in orlando october 9th through the 12th 12th through the 15th i don't even know the dates 12th through the 15th and we're going to start working together and make a commitment in the future to really make the industry better because if we can do this it's going to make all contracts. Like Bo said, everybody in the industry, whether you're a member of the organization, you're part of the industry. So when there's an industry problem, it's all of our problems. Do you understand? You, I don't think you guys understand this. Contractors get shut down. you understand that? All, all across the country for doing stupid things. Okay, And when they get shut down for doing those stupid things, what happens to that market? The entire market gets shut down. So you want to wake up one day with, with a moratorium on pressure washing or house washing? Mecklenburg County, just years ago, they wanted to start reclaiming house washing. Do you understand that? Reclaiming house washing. If we unite and we get together, this silly stuff will, will happen a lot less. A lot less. Houston. They were calling them major offenders and they were citing them. Do you understand that? Cops were running around with badges and guns shutting pressure washers down. Do you remember that, Bo? Okay. You can watch the videos of it. Sergeant Dickers, I have him on video. He's coming after you. Do you understand that? You're a pressure washer and you got a cop coming after you to shut you down. And a lot of my buddies in Houston lost a lot, a lot of money, guys. But that's an awesome, hey, that's an awesome thing that we're all gonna be getting,
10: getting together. Uh, I'm excited a lot about the, all the training. I see it happening in this this industry. I see it happening in the fence industry. Um, I, I'm in a couple other industries, and I, I, I really think that people are finally putting some value in education. Um, also I, I have one more nugget for you guys. Read the book uh, good to great and you're gonna understand what great leaders have done and why they've lost their why their if their legacies last so long. If you want to. All right, just use what you can. And
4: I can't believe I'm gonna do this and I'll deny it in a court of law, but I agree with Ron. Um, and, it, and it is <laughs> it it is it is something I'm specifically uh, excited about because We have organizationally, you know, reached out to the industry and not been the, you know, little boys club and and been exclusive. We are inclusive. We are working together like never before. And five years ago, nobody would have thought that was possible, but it is possible. And the education is also key to all of that because finally the education that, we're, that we've created is starting to get recognized outside of the industry, and that's a big deal, and I can talk to any one of you more about that. I'm going to actually go live and do some some uh, podcast stuff here in, in the coming weeks where I'm going to explain it. The insurance industry is starting to recognize our training. Okay, That's big, and that's big for everybody. So, What
2: I'm excited about is to help with said training and keep educating contractors i've mentored many of contractors i've got guys calling me every single day sending me pictures of their job before and after and you know now i've got some not calling me which is good because i've done my job to mentor them um and when i started pressure washing years ago i was going to the free trainings i think that my first one was 2008 um and i learned a lot and after that i, you know, I started we started pressure washing, kept going, getting education, and then when I was able, we opened the store. And when I was able to give back, and then stumbled across this paint issue with uh, changing houses—a um, bad stumble, bad stumble. But I wanted to give back and help other contractors so they didn't have to do that. So I'm, I'm excited about doing more of the training, going to more events. I'm going to be at the PWNA event teaching, and. I'm just excited to see both orgs, or all orgs get together, all orgs get together and work together and help us all grow. Uh,
6: So mine is, is kind of a generalization. I'm excited to see our collective industry, the home service industries become younger. Meaning that you're starting to see younger folks get into business earlier start their own businesses, start them the right way. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here again, like about training, but you guys are the ones that are taking the initiative to come and get trained, figure out how to do it the right way, figure out how to grow the correct way. The second part of that is because our industries are becoming younger, we're seeing more and more technology adoption, which makes us all better, right? And we can talk about technology adoption being the transfer of ideas, via social media, the tips and tricks, the just a transfer of education. Uh, but we can also talk about our businesses becoming more efficient by the use of bringing technology. We can also talk about them becoming safer and using pictures to document trucks or everything's tied down, right? So I think technology is a good thing. And I think that because our industries are becoming younger, there's a more easy adoption path to bring the technology on, I'm excited to see what other technologies coming down the pipe. Because I mean, it's one of those things you never know what's coming and what's going to change your business until it shows up. But uh, I'm pretty stoked for it. I'm a Joe Average fan too, guys. Get this guy
3: around. Yeah. All right, yeah, great one, Joe not so much caleb yeah so so i think the biggest thing for me is when i grew up in the trades everyone was against one another it was like enemies it was like uh everyone was at war against one another in in communities and um and i grew up in the fencing business and um, everybody knew everybody but nobody would let the cat out of the bag about what they were doing and so what I'm most excited about is the level of openness and collaboration. So now I can call Ron Musgraves, I can call Matt Warner, I can call Joe, I can talk to people in my own town and they will tell me what they're doing, what's working, what's not working. And I noticed that the guys that are smaller just getting started are calling each other and they're helping each other out. You got so Matt's number, I need to get it to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. I'm gonna put free goats on Craigslist with this phone number. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Matt. Nobody do that, please. Uh, but yeah, I think just being able to call and get real-world advice um, is a big deal, and, and you couldn't do that before. So I think that's what I've seen has changed the most. And what it, what is the saying around here, uh, Mr. Pair Payments? What's the what's the percentage of collaboration? When, when industries collaborate, what's the level of growth? It goes up, what, 40% faster? I'm not sure. So Somebody, I heard it on your podcast, but industries that collaborate... <laughs> It, find out the answer. You got to listen to a show. But the <laughs> industries that collaborate together, it's it's a thirty five or forty percent faster rate of growth over industries that aren't doing that. So I think it's a big deal, and you should take advantage
1: of it. Wow, that's just what I said. So we'll, we'll do yeah. we'll do a giveaway for whoever listens through all the podcasts. podcasts. Oh, fine. <laughs> it's on my episode. All right, there we go. There you go, Mark. Mark, I don't know
5: about you, but. Could you guys leave us something, or you know what I mean? Like, wow, wow, that's that's a lot.
7: Uh, Dude,
11: I'm
5: just ready for the That's right. right. But no, I, you know, I've been in the industry, you know, a long, long time. Um, I'm just super, super excited to see you guys like investing and more people investing in what's actually coming up and we're building an industry guys. Like we're, we're providing, we're, we're just impacting communities and what we're doing with giveaways and like charity work and you guys providing for your families. Like that's what it's all about, right? Like the craziness in the world going around, look, look at us. We're all right here like, dude, we're rocking it. Let's keep going, right? We want that to go 10 times further, right? In our communities, with our families, um, with our kids, right? Because we're raising kids to be men and women to guide our nation, right? So I fear for my kids growing up and to grow an industry like this, to lead an industry like this, to you guys will be up here one day. How can I teach you guys to be up here one day? Because I'm not gonna be here, you know? I might be here tomorrow. I might be gone the next day, right? So to see what's going on here, to see us collaborate and come together and hearing these things, and to see companies growing at this rate that we're growing in our industry, dude, I'm all in. How about you guys?
9: Oh yeah. Let's do it.
4: Camaraderie, camaraderie. That's it. Love you
9: guys. (laughs) If
7: you haven't subscribed, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. And don't forget to hit the bell so you won't miss our next episode. This episode was
9: produced by Jake Aronson. This has been a Peer Payments production.